What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, everyone. This is Rev Deb, and we're here for week 47 of our text keys. And so this week we'll be looking at chapter 28, section 4, through chapter 29, section 2. So before we get started, let's join together and be with the Holy Spirit, setting that intention for wisdom and clarity and certainly peace. Amen. So our first section is, once again, we're in chapter 28. So this first section is section four, the greater joining. It's on page 598 in the text. And he's talking here at the beginning, accepting the atonement for yourself means not to give support to someone's dream of sickness and a death. So basically, it's not jumping into the illusion with that person. It's maintaining what the truth is, maintaining the truth. Because when we start to go into that illusion, we're going to uh, we're going to be caught up in the pain and the suffering and the judgment and all that comes along with that. We can observe it, but we don't have to jump into it with that person and, and go into that fear with them. And he says the dream is but illusion in the mind. That's all it is. And then he goes on to paragraph three and he's telling us, well, like you, your brother thinks he is a dream. We're all thinking we're, we're a dream. He's like, but don't share into that illusion of himself. Don't share in what is false. Remember the connection that we share, not the bodies that are there. And I'm a body, you're a body, that kind of thing. But remembering to join and what is truth and our brotherhood and the sonship. We think these bodies have created a gap, but there is no gap between us. There is no separation between us. He says, between your minds, there is no gap. So release your brother. Release him from the dream of fear. Do your part. Join him in that holy place, that sacred place, where we are, where we are always. So he goes on a little bit later, and if you share a dream, it must be the dream he shares, because by sharing is a cause produced. So we're just keeping the illusion going when we jump into the fear, jump into the judgment, jump into the illness or whatever it is. We kind of maintain a, a grounded position and so he goes on, paragraph 7, he says, The Holy Spirit is in both of our minds, and he is one because there is no gap that separates his oneness from itself. The gap between your bodies matters not, for what is joined in him and the Holy Spirit is one. 
No one is sick if someone else accepts his union with him. His desire to be a sick and separated mind cannot remain without a witness or a cause. So I'm not going to witness to your illness, your mental illness, right? Because only the mind can be sick. But anything that I'm experiencing physically, and certainly can hear it in my voice, that I am experiencing something physically, it's like, oh, no, you poor baby. No, it's I see only the light of God within you, right? I'm not going to share in that dream of the illusion. I'm, certainly I'm going to be kind and compassionate, but I'm not going to jump into it with you. So Holy Spirit is offering us something different, a whole picture, not just the little fragment that we seem to experience day after day. And so we come into this place of gratitude of well, we could close that gap between us and we could come and do that truth. And that is what is so very important. That's the benefit. When we join with our brother, joining with him, not focusing on the sickness, letting the illusions go by having that willingness. And there's the miracle of healing taking place where sickness once was, there's the miracle. And we can only gain. We can never lose. So that's the section. And let's go on to the next section, section five, the alternate to dreams of fear. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about sickness and the idea that it's a sense of limitation in this reading, making sure that you're reading through this yourself, taking notes, uh, doing some journaling on it, whatever you feel guided to do. Some sections will speak to you louder than other sections and each pass through the course uh, you'll find more and more that appeals to you or deeper understanding that may come to you. You may have more sections highlighted than other sections. And it's just the way it goes in our study. It's all perfect. And that's what you have to trust that it is all perfect. So in this section, he, once again, he's going back to that idea, the gap between us, continuing that idea, the gap between us, and that God is the alternate to the dreams of fear. Right? Dreams of fear. That's under the ego's realm. God is what we part of, is what we are, what we, he extended himself, we are that love, but we have been sharing the dream of fear, right? With And everything that goes along with it. But when we can release that fear by not giving it support, by not believing in the fear, in the illusions, in the sickness, in the judgments, in everything else, the past, then it makes a difference for us. The love comes when we release that fear. So don't share the dreams. Just forgive it. Forgive the dreams. Forgive the dreams of your brother and what they say and what they do. No more let the gap be between us, that separation. And in other sections, uh, could be likened to just dust. It's just dust that stands between us. These bodies are nothing at all. I mean, certainly while we're here, we do what we need to do. But we remember what the truth is. That, you know what? I'm not separate from you. I'm going to see you with the eyes of Christ. I'm going to see you as God wants me to see you. That you are joined with me. That you are loved by me, with me, all. All is one. 
So even though we think these bodies have sight and sounds and touch, all the senses, we think we're seeing something and that we're hearing something. All this, and if you look at um, paragraph four here, we've hidden ourselves in this body. It says the world is established that it is sick and this, the world, the body's eyes perceive, the sounds it hears, the voices that its ears were made to hear. Yet sights and sounds the body can perceive are meaningless. It cannot see nor hear. It's nothing. The body is nothing. But we're projecting outward, right? It doesn't know what seeing is. It doesn't know what listening is for. It doesn't know any of this. What is there that God created to be sick? Well, he didn't create anything to be sick. We think he created this body, right? But he didn't. He only created an extension of himself. It certainly wasn't this body. But we've made this all up. Kind of like the movie Avatar where they jump into those skins. You know, if you remember, they um, kind of a computerized uh, tube or something that they lay in. And they're walking around in the world, in their mind, uh, in, the, in these um, robot kind of bodies, that sort of thing. That's kind of what we're doing. Even though we're still, if you remember, they didn't go anywhere. Physically, they were just laying down in those uh, tubes or whatever you want to call those. And it was their mind that was controlling the body walking around. That's kind of what's going on. That's why a lot of uh, course students did like that movie, be because of what it showed us. Uh, same thing like with The Matrix, that kind of thing. When they were plugged into The Matrix, that movie, same thing. It was all done in the mind. And that's what's going on. Very similar <laughs> in, in, in idea is that we haven't gone anywhere, that we're dreaming, that we're going somewhere and we're doing these things and we can be sick and we can be sad and we can be angry and, and interact with uh, other bodies and, and all that. But meanwhile, it's just, it's nothing. There's no gap that separates the truth from us. So that's what that kind of goes on little bit more with that idea and so we have our next section which is section six uh, there on page 602 section six is the secret vows and so now he goes into well who's punishing the body is insane for here the little gap is seen and yet it is not here it has not judged itself nor made itself to be what it is not it does not seek to make of pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust does not victimize, goes on in God. We, we don't punish the body. That's not for us to do. It's to just realize that it's nothing. I mean, certainly while we're here, yeah, we're pretty attached to these bodies. But kind of raising our mindset above it a little bit, knowing, okay, well, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not going to put so much on it. I'm not going to put my hatred and my judgment on my body or someone else's body and what we think we're hating it's not the body it's what it represented it represented the the little bit of mind that we wanted that little bit of specialness that we wanted to call our own and so we hate it and we feel guilty about it and we've made this secret vow vow with our brother that we would walk apart from our brother. 
We perceive ourselves as attacked. It's part of that secret oath. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. And so then he goes on in, in uh, paragraph five, your sickness is anger, take it upon, take it out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. It's the obvious effect of what was made in secret in agreement with another secret wish to be apart from you as you would be apart from him. So it's that separation, right? Furthermore, that separation, sickness, it's punishment. The mental anguish we have or the physical anguish that we have, we are taking out our guilt and our pain that we feel because of what we think we caused in the separation with God. So then when I realize that, wait a minute, there is no gap between my mind and your mind and my mind and God's mind, well, then we're free. We're free in that. So he says in six, let this be your agreement with each one that you be one with him and not apart. And he will keep the promise that you make with him. God keeps his promises. And his son keeps his. In his creation, his father said, you are beloved of me and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself. For you can never be apart from me. Those are God's words to us. It's God's promise to us. And so it's up for us as the son to remember and to say, I will, Father. I will remember that promise. I will follow that promise. Our mind is already healed. We don't need to have the secret vow. We don't need to have the specialness. We don't need to share in the illusion. We share in that love that's beyond understanding. But that love is what saves us. It brings us back, back into where we really are. So our next section is section uh, seven, the arc of safety. Section seven, the arc of safety, page 604. And so God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing. There's nothing to lack. We're not lacking in any way. There's nothing that we need in the sense that the only thing we need to do is remember that we need nothing, <laughs> that we have everything. Because of this promise that God has made to us, we have everything. Now, this doesn't mean money and all the material. It means we have the abundance of God. We have the love and the peace and everything for us. We don't need anything but knowing that there is nothing to need. Everything that we need will come to us. And maybe that will be an easier life. Maybe the money will be there. Maybe those things that you seemingly need in the world will come to you more easily. Because you're not coming from that place of limitation and lack. But it's not a little magic trick. Well, if I do this, then I'm going to get these things. No, it's truly believing that you have that beautiful relationship and truth. That you have all that. And knowing that your brothers aren't taking anything from you. And that if you give, that you're not losing in any way. But when you give, 
but you were just affirming, I have everything already. And I want to extend it, just like God extended his love to me. And it grows because of that extension. So he continues on with this idea of, of there is either a gap or there isn't a gap. <laughs> what are you going to look at? Are you going to see that there's a gap between you and your brother? Are you going to realize that together we have everything? So it is helping the healing of God's son, right? It's helping that all miracles are based on the choice. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one as it is opposite, and you are sick or well accordingly. It's all within the mind. Could be in form, but really it's the thought in the mind that's sick. We're never alone. We are never left alone. It, we, it may seem like it sometimes with the trials and tribulations that we go through, but we're never alone. If we can believe that we're always supported and we can have that solid foundation, we will see that the rain will come, the wind will come, and yet we will stand grounded. So, why be afraid? Why feel there's danger around every corner when we have that solid foundation in love? So nothing can be shaken of that foundation. God is our foundation. So we trust our brothers. The world will wash away, right? Everything here in this world is going to die and change. God's love is eternal. It never changes. So the foundation of God's home will stand forever. And that's its strength. It says it's an ark of safety resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. It's like, what gap could come between that? So once again, we're still kind of talking about that gap, talking about the holy purpose of the home of holiness. There is holiness within us. So then we move, yeah, these sections, these um, sections are a little smaller than previously that we've um, talked about. So now we're in chapter 29. Chapter 29 starts us off with section one, the closing of the gaps. So we're on page 606 now. And it says, there's no time, no place, no state where God is absent. He's always here. There's nothing to be feared. How can we experience this? And it's not just by these words, by reading these words. The words can be reassuring. But when we can actually bring this into practice, when you have a problem come up, when you have a family situation or a work situation or situation with a friend, spouse, partner, whatever, allow that to come in. Allow the pot to be stirred and be open. Here I am, Lord. Be open to seeing 
that indeed there is no place where he is absent. He is always with you. There is no hate. There is only love and support. But we have been afraid of love. We think his love is treacherous. We think there's a game that he's playing with us. The only one he's playing the game is us. We are the one playing the game. We are afraid of God. We're afraid of his love. He talks about the obstacle of peace again. The fear of God, the greatest obstacle, the peace must flow across. Still not God. One still remains to block your path and make the way to light seem dark, fearful, perilous, and bleak. You've decided your brother is your enemy. All the time. We could be watching TV, seeing a politician, and we think that brother is our enemy. We could be watching what's going on in the news. One of those brothers could be our enemy. Right? If we're in opposition, it doesn't mean we can't have a preference or an opinion. But if we are vehemently opposed to something, we really need to look at that. What am I opposed to? Am I putting that block there? Can I just agree that to disagree, so to speak? That I can accept the other person for their beliefs and where they are, but still be with my values and still love them from that place within my heart that shows that we are one. We may not have the same religion, same ideology, political ideas, but we can still see ourselves without a gap. And he goes on more about the idea of the gaps and the separate minds. It's not bodies that connect. It's the mind that is connected. And that's where we want to be with this. We don't want to continue to cause further separation because of our judgments, because of our grievances because of our differences that we seem to have here in the body and in the world, whether it's economic, social, countries, whatever. That continues to keep us sick. That continues the gap between us. Love doesn't ask for sacrifice. Fear wants that sacrifice. There wants to be some kind of difference there. It said, Fear says that for hate to be maintained, Love must be feared and only sometimes present and sometimes gone. Love is seen as treacherous because it seems to come and go uncertainly and offers no stability to you. You do not see how limited and weak is your allegiance and how frequently you have demanded that love go away and leave you quietly alone in peace. He has in quotes there, in peace. Now, I don't want to see that person the same as me. I don't want to offer them love. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they think? And that's where we go. We put up those defenses and those attacks. Instead of just accepting them who they are, we don't have to hang out with them. We don't have to be with them. What we can do is just have a preference, but still see them in that pure, holy, shining light that they are, that they share with us, that we know together that God is love. Whether they know it or not, we can go heart to heart in our minds. 
Say you have a family member that you've been estranged from. You can still love that person with the love of God and still not be with them or talk with them. So all we need to do is remember God is love. And so we have one more section in this week's uh, reading here. So that is section two. Well, we're in chapter 29 here, the coming of the guests. So he says here, uh, page 608, why would you not perceive it as release from suffering to learn that you are free? You're free. Why would you not acclaim the truth instead of looking on it as an enemy? Why does an easy path so clearly marked it is impossible to lose the way seem thorny, rough, and far too difficult for you to follow? Is it not because you see it as the road to hell instead of looking on it as a simple way? without any sacrifice or loss, to find yourself in heaven and in God. Until you realize you give up nothing, until you understand there is no loss, you will have some regrets about the way that you have chosen. It's that simple. It really is. When we can just surrender and stop fighting ourselves about everything about every thought that we have every grievance every judgment all of it and realize if I could just be neutral if I could just be in acceptance if I can extend love I could be at peace I can have peace I don't have to fight my spouse or partner on every little thing a toilet seat or a bill or whatever. Same thing with other family members and people online, on Facebook, whatever. If I make it a non-issue, the thing is, is that I've interpreted it that it's an issue and I have to take a stand. Now, granted, there may be things going on in the world that you want to work for peace or save animals or whatever it may be. You can still do that, but do it with love in your heart. Don't make it a war against something. What are you for? If you're for peace, do it from that peaceful place. So you give up nothing. All you've do, done is given up the illusion of what you've hung on to. Whatever that was, that decision that you made. It's coming into a very open place. So in this, we're accepting healing's cause, and so we are healed. And we have the power to heal. It's ours. The miracle is not a separate thing that happens suddenly. It's not an effect without a cause, nor is itself a cause. But where it's cause, it must be. Now it is, is a cause, second paragraph here, though not as yet perceived, and its effects are there, though not yet seen. Look inward now. And you will not behold a reason for regret, but cause indeed for glad rejoicing and for hope of peace. What is the miracle but that shift, right? It's a shift in perception. Coming into that open place. I was sick for a couple of weeks. And I was able to meditate more during that time. And during that time, I really came into this 
open place where not fighting that I was sick and some other things that were going on, not judging it. It's like, okay, this person is the way they are. I can love them. And I'm speaking from experience, and it's no accident these readings have come, come to me to share with you right now as I'm recording this because that's where I was. And I know I've had much more peace because of it. He says, well, you can be free of pain and sickness, misery, loss, all the effects of hatred and attack. No more is pain your friend and guilt your God because you're welcomed love. Your guest has come. You asked for him. You asked him to come. You welcomed the Holy Spirit in. He has gifts for you. And the gift is you can have that peace. You've wanted that peace. You've wanted happiness in your life. It's here now for you. Open yourself up to it. Open yourself up. Give it now. This is the promise of God. A living God. That we have life. That we be free of suffering and pain. Now you may say you're not suffering and in pain. But a part of you is. If you're quick to judge. Quick to react. If you feel threatened. If you feel insecure. If you feel unsafe. And maybe you don't think you do. But just have one person say something to you and boom, you might jump the gun right away. Brings you back to the past. So here we are. We're accepting the present moment. We're forgiving the past because it's not here. It can't do anything to us. The past does nothing but keep us in prison. So here we are. We're free. We can let go of the demand of the body that it has to be something. A thing that it is not. Right? We try to make it more. We wanted that specialness. We wanted that separate identity. Because we wanted so much more that was really a step into hell. We already had it. We already had the love. We had all of it. And the ego is just fooling us and saying, well, look at all that you have around you. The pleasure and the pain. Well, the pleasure anyway. The ego is not going to tell you about the pain, right? Except if someone is attacking you. And really, it's your own attack. So, no longer does the body need to be an enemy. No longer does your brother need to be an enemy. But we can realize that we live in God. Our brother lives in God. Our brother is our Savior. And we can learn from this. And we can step in to the holy love that we really share. Peace is yours. So next time in week 48, we'll be looking at chapter 29, section 3, through section 8. So thanks so much for joining with me. And I wish you much peace.